Do you remember those crusty rolls? You know, they used to get from Sainsbury's and Bretton. Yeah. It's the best bread roll you'll ever eat. Saint Sainsbury's <laughs> rolls in Bretton. Yep. But they had little dimples on the bottom. Um, very specific. Oh. Delicious. I mean, a proper treat. Okay. Yeah, uh, yeah. You you really love bread, don't you? Uh, yeah. Why not? Right? <laughs> like <laughs> precisely. There's just something about it. It's just a work of art. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. That's that's it, Chris. That is that's why they voted our city the worst place to live in the country because they never ate from the Sainsburys in Britain. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Welcome to Right to Right Club. Open, open mic. My name's Mark. I'm your host for this series, and we've got Chris as well. Hello. Uh, he's over in the booth at the moment, mixing all the dials up and, and, and making the magic happen. He's <laughs> <laughs> the uh, dial pixie. That doesn't really make much sense. I don't sense. mind dial pixie. I'll take the nice handle, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking a punt and clicking on this podcast. Perhaps you are a fan of writing uh, and perhaps you're a fan of clubs or open mics. I'm, I'm hoping that you're at least a little bit open to hearing some different perspectives from all sorts of people around the world. People like you. This is Write Club Open Mic, a, a podcast for people to send in and share their own stories, poems, scripts, raps, anything they've been working on, really. It's supposed to be a community, a safe, welcoming place where we can all come together and listen to each other, feel supported and, and grow a little bit. That's the idea. Each episode of the Right Club Open Mic will have its own theme. And today's theme is introductions. So here's mine. My name is Mark Grist. I'm a poet. I, I mostly write for performance. I'm sometimes I'm called a, a spoken word artist. I'm also known by a lot of people as a rap battler. Um, I have gained quite a lot of views on YouTube and, and Facebook for rap battles around the world. And, and I made a documentary about it with, with Red Bull a while back. Um, I also made another podcast that some of you might have heard called Mark Can't Rap. We've made two seasons of that so far. It's all exploring this world of rap that I found so exciting as a teacher and that somehow has led me to where I am now. And where I am now is a city in the UK called Peterborough, sort of north of London. Now, I love living in Peterborough. But right now, Peterborough is topping a poll across the UK for the worst place to live in the entire country, which would upset a lot of people, uh, except that poll, this would be the fourth year in a row that we won it. People in Peterborough are used to the rest of the country being a bit negative about it. I, I think people that come to Peterborough either come here so they can change train and go somewhere else. Some people come here to get a passport in a hurry. And, and I think some people would say they, they've kind of just come to Peterborough to die a little bit inside. But for me, I moved here to start my first job as a secondary school English teacher 16 years ago. I rocked up on the train from Bath with my suitcases in my hands and my first impressions of Peterborough were not great. A lot of concrete, shops boarded up. I remember walking past a group of teenage boys 
who were kicking round a cardboard box they just set on fire and thinking, this is not like Bath. And what do you do when you find yourself living in a city that on the surface might look like the worst place to live in the entire country? I guess as an English teacher at the time, it made sense to start a poetry open mic at a local pub called Charters. A couple of friends that I'd made, we went down there every month for a pint of poetry and a dash of drama. And we read our favourite poems and play scripts to each other whilst we had a few pints. Over time, we realised we kind of needed more material and so we started writing our own poems and play scripts and sharing them. And more and more people came along and did the same. We ended up running the night for 10 years and it totally changed how I saw Peterborough. I learned about the artistic community we had, the painters, graffiti artists, the poets, the rappers, the playwrights that were jam-packed throughout the city. Together, at the end of the night, we shared our trials and tribulations. There wasn't much time for it, but I always enjoyed chatting about what we were going through as people trying to be creative, how that connected us. When COVID hit, I needed a community again. So I cast out with a couple of my friends, Charlie and Keeley, to see if we could get anyone to join an- another night that we'd been running in pubs called Right Club. The poem went like this. So join us, we'll set some targets at Monday morning Right Club. Yes, Monday morning, bright and early. Well, brightish. We sort of think 9.30. Like a workout, just more wordy. Monday morning, right club. We'll set a theme each week. On Fridays, come back later to share what we've produced. All you need is a piece of paper and a pen, a pad, a laptop, some headphones and a room and the ability for you to go online and chat with Zoom. Let's take some time. Forget the binds dividing you and me. You don't need to be alone. We can build our own community. I know it's quite poetic to languish in defeat, but we can turn our homes into our own writing retreats. And for some of us, I know it's hell to go through this. I'm overwhelmed at times. If you're alone as well, I know it's been a fright, but you needn't do this by yourselves. And the three of us, we'd like to help. And throughout all this... I hoped that it would encourage some people to join us and form a community online to see whether we could generate some warmth and and support between us that would change how we all felt about being stuck inside during the pandemic. In a similar way to my poetry open mic night changed how I felt about Peterborough. And do you know what? It did. It really did. We logged in at first to a bunch of new faces, um, people who, like us, thought that we'd be meeting just for a few weeks whilst the initial Lockdowns were taking place, but that group, Right Club, still runs now. And I consider many of the members close friends, family, I'd say. Fast forward to now, and we're not in any kind of lockdown, but there are problems in the world. Cost of living crisis, the war in Ukraine. Sometimes, to me at least, it feels like there's an increasing attempt to sow division and intolerance. Right now, it feels like the world is full of so many more spiky, worrying things. This podcast, our Right Club Open Mic, aims to counter all that by bringing us together, helping us see this world in a different light through our shared love of creating things with words and a belief 
that everyone has a story or a poem or a rap or a script or a piece of writing inside them that is worth listening to. So that's my introduction done. I spoke with Write Club members a lot about this project and everyone in the group has agreed to contribute work to get us started. Now, these stories and poems and raps are fantastic. We're going to hear from five members today, in fact, but we will only be featuring Write Club members in this series to a point. For this podcast to work, we need people who are listening, people like you, to send work in. That's right, we want you to listen to these pieces and to feel inspired enough, brave enough, to have a go yourself and share with us what you've got. First up on this episode, we've got Anne Atkins, poet, performer, and compere. Now, Anne came to our very first session of that online Write Club, back when it started. I remember logging into the first session of Write Club. I felt pretty nervous. The screen was full of faces in Zoom boxes, and I didn't recognise any of them apart from Mark, and that was only from watching his poetry videos on YouTube. Over time, Anne started creating more and more work and became a valued member of our community. Write Club means a lot to me now. The support and sense of community, the way we celebrate each other's successes and encourage each other for, to go for opportunities. Here's Anne Atkins with her own take on the theme of this episode, Introductions. I had quite a scary experience not long back. A car introduced itself to mine and my neighbours and my neighbour's bungalow too. It was a chilly, dreary day, a very quiet Sunday. All I could hear was birdsong. I was having a lie-in. Oh, it was bliss. Warm and cosy, snuggled up under the duvet. It had been a really busy week. I realised it was Remembrance Sunday and people would be gathering to lay poppy wreaths at the war memorial nearby and hold a minute's silence to remember the people who lost their lives in war. So I was appreciating having a rest. When I heard a loud bang, it sounded a bit like a skip being dropped from, like, ten feet. That's not something you expect on a Sunday in a, a small, quiet cul-de-sac. My partner leapt up and went to look out of the front window. She shouted, Anne, get up, it's our car. Her face was red, she was shaking in disbelief. Across our driveway, a big 4 by 4 had rammed into our car, shoved it into our neighbour's almost new red 4 by 4 And that, theirs then, was actually parked inside their bungalow. Their car was the main thing holding up the roof. I just remember thinking, oh, shit. Our neighbours are already outside. The lady from next door is normally really elegant and composed. She was shaking. She said she'd been in the kitchen and seen it coming. She invited me in to have a look. Uh, the kitchen door was open onto that side hallway. The car was in there and... There was a chunk of wall in the kitchen doorway 
and there was quite a lot of glass on the floor. I offered to make her a cup of tea, but she said she was okay. So I went back out. Our 12-year-old golf. We'd had it from almost new, so we were quite attached to it. And now it was the filling of a sandwich between two big 4x4s with crumpled wings, buckled bonnet, shattered lights and the bumper hanging off. My dad had called it the battle wagon. I don't think it was because it was grey. I think it was because we used it for everything, like carrying furniture or taking tools or rubbish to the tip. It was pretty obvious that it had completed its last mission. The poor battle wagon had taken a lot of the impact out of the crash, so it had done its duty. The scene was made more poignant by a bugler at the service at the war memorial nearby playing the last post. I didn't know whether to laugh, cry or salute. Here's the poem that Anne wrote about her car. A final send-off to an old friend. Battle Wagon's Lament I'm just a car, a vehicle to get from A to B, four wheels, tyres. Two of them were new last year. Newish wheel trims too. eBay bargains, cable tied, so none would go missing this time. They're still in place, as are the new springs. I may not have been swanky, but I was yours. I felt you cry on my upholstery. You sat watching clouds through my windscreen, parked up until the windows were steamy. I heard awkward conversations, saw a chaste kiss, but I always kept your privacy. You can't pretend to care that much. I mean, when was the last time I was cleaned? Yes, you took me through the car wash, but inside? My handy door pockets filled with old used tissues and all manner of ephemera. And I can't remember last time I saw a vacuum cleaner. I know in your own way you tried. It wasn't you who was drunk behind a wheel. That was Anne Atkins co-host and co-creator of Fire and Dust, Open Mic. There's a, a link in the description. Chris. Hello. Do you want to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Chris and I run Backland Studios and we're based in Elmington. Chris, how would you describe yourself? I'd probably say hairy. <laughs> That's actually, <laughs> if I was to choose a word for Chris, I probably would choose hairy as well. <laughs> like, um, uh, you got great hair though, Chris. Thanks very much. Um, long hair, down one side, pretty beardy. Um, Natural insulation. <laughs> and Chris, what do you think of Peterborough? Yeah, I used to live in Peterborough a long time ago. Then I moved to Cambridge uh, and now I'm in Elmington. So yeah, that's where we set up Backland Studios. So Peterborough is still a part of me. I still go there quite a bit. What would be if you had friends over to visit Peterborough for the weekend uh -huh. and you had to entertain them by just taking them to things in Peterborough? Where would you go? Yeah, well, it definitely would be a pub, right? It would be all the pubs. Yeah, we do pretty well for we pubs. We do quite well pubs, Charters yeah. is, is all right. You've got Stoneworks is pretty good. Yeah, the Ostrich is really good as well. Really good for live music. Yeah, got the College Arms. Yeah. If you want to see a fight. Yeah, if you want to come out alive, that'd be great. Um, Rail World. We've got Rail World. We do. But, you know, we've still got that Sainsbury's in Britain. I see. So we're still, 
We're still having a chat about breads, yeah? Well, yeah. I mean, of course we are. <laughs> See, I would categorically say that the bakery that you, you literally have on your doorstep mm. serves better bread than I've ever tasted at any Sainsbury's, let alone <laughs> the one in Britain. So, so, so those of you who don't know the part of the UK we live in, Oundle is a town that's a little journey, it's a little way out of Peterborough. So to, to get here, I have to drive um, from my, my house in the centre. And, and if you want to go from where we are right now into Peterborough, you kind of have to really want to go there. You know, you were talking a 15-minute drive. Well, it's well worth a drive. I mean, like I say, it's the best bread you've ever had. Yeah, so there you go. <laughs> and you know what? A side aim of this podcast is we are going to try and share some culture from Peterborough to show that there's a little bit more to that city than people think. We've commissioned a listening box um, that a really good friend of mine, James, has made. Um, uh, I might put a link to a picture of the listening box in the description of this episode, but we're placing that in um, metal at Chauffeur's Cottage, right in the, the centre of... I mean, how bad a city can it be if you've got somewhere called Chauffeur's Cottage right <laughs> in the centre of it? But in Chauffeur's Cottage, we're going to have a listening station um, that's going to feature these podcast episodes where anyone can rock up and have a listen. But not only that, where anyone can write down a poem, a haiku, a limerick, whatever they want, and they can put it inside a little safe um, that's attached to the listening station. The final episode of this series, we're going to open that safe and we're going to find out what the people of Peterborough have got to say for themselves, or at least what they think about this podcast that we've got. Next up on this episode is Moira Stevens. Moira also joined Right Club on the very first session and has been with us ever since. She's based on the Isle of Man, and she didn't quite know what to expect when she signed up either. I first logged into Right Club because I saw a post on Twitter by Mark, um, who I'd seen at Manx Lit Fest a few months before, and I was so nervous because I had never been part of any group. I didn't know what it was going to be like at all. Um, these were, as far as I was concerned, famous people, people who seemed to know each other, but everybody was so friendly and I just felt so welcomed and I learned so much. I just couldn't wait for the next time. Finished the session finished and there's me sitting and writing for the next couple of hours. Because of Write Club, I found more online communities and one of them that was recommended, I joined, and somebody on that group, every time they were on, they were on on the Zoom as iPhone. But they used to change it around and because I like puns and I like word games and things, I decided it would be fun to see what I could do with my name. I've got some really good letters in my name. So I took my first and second name, put them into an anagram thing, was astounded at the words that came up and realised that I could do quite a lot that showed some of my interests and some of the aspects of my character. Here's the poem that Moira wrote. And I love that this whole piece only uses words that feature the letters that make up her name. Hear me, 
shame me, hate me, these pains temper me. Ashen arms rise, a heart, part earth, part stars, shines. Snare me, trap me, as I resist, this time is mine. Marsh mists seep in, near streams the aspens stir, and menhirs rise. Spent enemies steer a priest's path, past Peter's shrine. Saints' steps repeat, repent here. A seraph harpist prays the past, this time is thine. The thesis, spheres are prism trains, seen in retina's sharp remains, tesserae stripes in serpent strips, paint steep primes in series trips, print sparse shapes, a serene spire's net, a ship's mast set, the meter maps the rest. As time perishes, I am Moira Stevens. I am me. Thank you so much for that piece, Moira. It's super cool. What a great new way to, to, to reacquaint yourself with who you are, taking your own name and by rearranging those letters, seeing what poem comes out. What would you get? If you want a challenge, why not have a go? Write your name down. Put it into an anagram solver and gather some words together. See what you come up with. If you do come up with something cool you want to share, we'd love to hear it. Why not send it in to us at words at rightclubopenmic.com. I'd love it if you had something you wanted to send as audio and we can really play it to people um, and share what you've produced. But yeah, words at rightclubopenmic.com is where we're taking our submissions. Next up, we've got another member of Right Club who joined us a year and a half in, and I've really enjoyed getting to work with him over the years. His name is Andy Aspin, and he's going through quite a lengthy process of moving house at the moment. He's nearly there, which is so, so good. But Andy's also had a huge impact on me as a writer and fellow artist. I'll pass over to him for his contribution. Hi, I'm Andy Aspin. I'm 33, and I recently moved to Buckinghamshire, and I'm a Well, I'm a poet and writer. I've always loved to listen to spoken word and hear the crafted interplay of words, rhythm and cadence of rap from when I got told off for listening to Eminem as a child to finding a meaning in rhymes from Rage Against the Machine or Gangstar as a young teenager. And I know I've just said I'm a poet and writer, but if you asked me what I was two years ago, these things wouldn't have been part of my identity. It's not that I didn't want to write, it's just that I didn't feel that I could do it or at least do it well. And yet, here I am. On a podcast talking to you about it. I suppose one of the interesting things about radio and podcasts is that you can hear me but not see me. But if you saw me, you'd see that I use an electric wheelchair and have limited movement in every way physical. Perhaps that's one of the reasons or things that drew me to want to move from appreciating poetry to actually writing and reading out spoken word. It's a way I can make a creative impact that doesn't rely on strength or dexterity, a way to have expression that uses my own words in my own voice, which sort of scary too to be honest because it puts a part of me out there on display now lockdown was rubbish for a million different reasons but as we figured out how to make better connections remotely it did open up online spaces and made parts of life more accessible to me in a way that enabled me to access something bigger to find people find support and do things i didn't have the opportunity to do previously 
Would I have ever started writing with intent if this didn't happen? I would like to think I would have, but I genuinely don't know. During lockdown, I found Write Club online. I joined and then I met a group of friendly people. And then I said, yes, I will definitely do a poem on that octopus prompt for next week, I guess. I'd written very few things before. And by very few, I mean a couple of angsty teenage poems that cringe is not a strong enough word for. But now, having an actual goal that I, for some reason, actually agreed with other people gave me a mixture of newfound confidence from somewhere and also a sense of dread as to how I would explain that actually maybe writing isn't my gift and how do you explain that to a group you've just rocked up to? So I sat down. Well, I say sat down, but I was already sitting and started trying to write. I thought about how I'd written things before, like uni work and essays. So I started making a mind map, a list of things to do with octopuses, which is actually a word. I'd watched the documentary, My Octopus Teacher, a few weeks before, which was helpful. Once I got this list together, I put on some instrumental rap beats to listen to while writing lines as I thought this might help. And then it started to feel like a puzzle. A really exciting puzzle in a way that I didn't expect, that each thought, line and rhyme was something being unlocked. I really like multisyllabic rhymes where, instead of just the ends of lines rhyming, you interweave more rhymes into the line. And trying to add more rhymes per line just made the puzzle more interesting to unlock. I did this until I had something which, at the very least, didn't make me think I'd have to abandon Right Club. Never underestimate an octopus, clever hunter, great and ponderous. You better endeavour to concentrate while moving cautious. Their poisonous bites make you feel nauseous, even from the smallest. Wetsuit is a precaution, or become their food, a human-sized portion. An octopus is a strange evolution. It's so obvious that I've been disillusioned. They must be part of an alien intrusion. From our solar system, probably Venusian. Fled their planet from persecution and exclusion. Came to Earth to bring on an octo-revolution. Resettled and create their own ocean constitution. Then progress to underwater democracy. Blue-blooded born rulers like aristocracy. Bring a new level to oceanography. Eight arms to push eight pens. They'll ace bureaucracy. An octopus. Body parts high in number. Complex. Yes, but never encumbered. Make no mistake, they could be into polygamy. Because if one heart breaks, fine, they've got three. Three hearts to help the blood to flow. Way more heart than anyone I know. The males don't have genitals. Instead, they just use one of their tentacles. The process seems to be far from sensual. And now the female views him as quite expendable. I don't blame her. I wouldn't be calm. I mean, the dude is having to use the whole of his arm anyway. This means the male is in some danger. Their sex should come with a warning or disclaimer. One wrong move and she might consume him. Cannibalistic tendencies are usually quite grim. What a horrible process to undergo. They definitely have way more sex arm um, tentacle things than anyone I know. That was Andy Aspin. Deep sea explorer extraordinaire, master of the ink, and all-round decent octopus. So we've heard three different Right Club members sharing their work so far. I hope you can hear how important it's been to us coming together, but for this series to move forward, we're going to need you. I'm hoping that what you've heard so far, whether it's Anne's eulogy for her car or Moira's rearrangement of the letters in her own name to, to create something new, or Andy, 
with his phenomenal rap about becoming an octopus. I'm hoping some of that might inspire you to, to have a go at writing yourself. We're looking for submissions. We have an episode coming up soon that's going to be called I'm Getting Too Old for This What would you write about for that theme? Maybe you already have something kicking around, a poem, a rap, a story about getting old, about being too old, or you want to write from the perspective of a book that's been left too long in the library. Perhaps you want to write from the perspective of the earth. It's pretty old. Anything goes. But if you do want to write something and share it with us, we would love to play it. Just email it to words at writeclubopenmic.com. Next up, we've got Mel Bradley. She joined up with Write Club pretty early on, and I was immediately aware that she did a lot of stuff. Mel writes plays, poems, stories. She's a life model. She's a web designer. She's designed face masks, bags, T-shirts. To me, her range of creative ability just seems endless. I'm a self-confessed creative genius with the attention span of a gnat and an unhealthy obsession with the Virgin Mary. I also tend to introduce myself as an outspoken queer feminist performer based in Derry, Northern Ireland. See, I'm originally from a very loyalist background and my father was in the Orange Order and then the RUC, the police service, something I never used to disclose. I've carried so much shame about my background for so long and still do, I guess. In 1996, I was living in the loyalist area that my mum was originally from with my son and boyfriend at the time, who was from a Catholic background. My mum lived just a few doors up from us. She was also in a mixed relationship. That summer, sectarian tensions seriously kicked off. The basics are that there was objections to a 12th of July Protestant parade going through a Catholic area and the whole thing blew up into massive rioting and chaos. The area filled with angry young men who set fire to the bins and then dragged my stepbrother's van down the street to outside her house and set fire to it. When we tried to report it to the police, we were told that if we didn't leave, we would be burned out. We had a police guard outside our house for three days from 9am until 6pm so that we could pack all our things and then move. It was two years before the Good Friday Agreement. It took a few weeks, but... We were rehomed in one of the most Republican areas in the city, the Brandywell. I remember being terrified, but my neighbours were amazing. I'd been there for a year when I heard this knock on my front door one night. It was about 10 o'clock and I was in bed. I came down and it was my next door neighbour. She said, you've been here for a year and you've never had a drink with us. Now you get up them stairs and you get some clothes on you and you come down and you join us girls. So I did. I sat there with them on the ground, in the front yard, as they shared their stories. Their side of living through the troubles. I knew of my dad doing security checks on the car before getting into it. I knew not to touch my dad's gun. I knew not to say what my dad did as a job whenever anybody asked. But to hear these women talking about things like house raids, routine stop and search, housing issues, Bloody Sunday. The only thing I knew about Bloody Sunday was that they were all terrorists. I felt so much shame hearing those women telling me what they saw on that day about the loved ones that were brutally murdered. The idea of sitting down and just listening to a different perspective. The other side. It changed how I saw the world and how I saw my future. Here's Mel's piece for our podcast. It's actually the opening piece from her performance project, There's Something About Mary. 
There are some swears towards the end of the piece, just to give you a heads up. I was a child of the Troubles. The early 80s, we lived in a working class loyalist estate called Lincoln Courts, a place where community meant everything. The kids played street games until darkness hit and nobody ever got left out. My grandmother lived across the back square and movement between the two houses was frequent and free. I remember hearing the joke that in the 60s, a Protestant man could walk out of one job in the morning and into another in the afternoon. But by the 80s, the north of Ireland was firmly stuck in the middle of a recession and sectarian conflict. Jobs were scarce on the ground no matter what side of the divide you came from. With mouths to feed and bills to pay, my dad, who took whatever work he could get, found his only option lay in joining the RUC, the Royal Ulster Constabulary was pretty much detested by all sides. And the mindset I inherited as a child was that you didn't speak a word to anyone. If they weren't in the know, they were an enemy or a threat. As a child, I was taught to lie and keep secrets. Peace and reconciliation became a big thing. Kids were picked to go away on trips. Some of the lucky ones were sent to America to learn how life could be away from the difference of religion. The biggest adventure that some of us would ever dream of going on. We were all just awkward preteens, trying to find ways of fitting in, desperately hiding our trueness from even ourselves. But... It was the beginning for a lot of us of an understanding that we weren't really so very different. We all had our own backstories. Most of it, we didn't discuss. By the time I hit my teens, I tried to get involved in as many of those cross-community trips as I could. They were a way of escaping the normality of nothing. Structured fun and getting to know each other activities as bonding exercises were a distraction that most of us embraced. I remember one trip that changed something in me, struck a nerve. It was a Saturday morning and we were all on a bus for a weekend of outdoor activities, waiting on one final girl to arrive. 15 minutes late and the leaders were debating whether it would be prudent to just cut our losses and move on when she burst onto the bus, out of breath and full of rage. Her explanation punctuated heavily with a full range of expletives, detailed a raid that had happened earlier that morning on her house. Them dirty bastards the pillars were in this morning and tore our fucking house apart. Even my wee brother's caught. Like, who does that? Annie's favourite teddy too. And then, and then the cons went for Our Lady. And we all screamed, nobody touches Our Lady. I remember thinking that my Dad would never do anything like that. He'd never destroy anybody's property. Certainly not a baby's cot or a teddy. <laughs> he, he couldn't be like that. I sat in silence, horrified by what she'd said, wondering why was a statue so important? What was the big deal with Mary? That was just the opening piece from Mel's project, there's something about Mary, uh, a fascinating combination of podcast interviews and life writing. If you're interested in learning more about Mel's project, there's a link in the description. It'll help you learn more about it. So, Chris. Hello. What kind of music do you like? Oh, man. Um, all sorts, really. I think 
kind of guitar driven stuff primarily when I was a kid. Definitely grunge, definitely indie stuff, bit of punk. But everyone listens to all sorts of different types of music. So it sort of promoted diversity. What was it you used to listen to when you were a teenager then? I don't know about anyone else, but it was a bit tribal for us when yeah. we were teenagers. We'd all, you'd hang out with people more or less based upon the kind of music we 100%. like. 100%. It's like going to our price in Peterborough a million years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was Nirvana. It was all those sort of bands that are kind of at, at the time everyone was well into. Yeah. Well, we'd have hung out, Chris. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, our final Right Club member who's sharing her work with you um, is talking about just that. Finding your tribe when you're younger. This is Leanne Moden with her contribution. Hi, my name's Leanne Moden and I'm a writer, a poet and an educator based in Nottingham in the UK. I've been writing for about, oh gosh, um, 15 years now and um, just very recently became a freelance um, writer full time. So... That's exciting for me. Uh, one of the things you perhaps wouldn't immediately associate with me to look at me now at the age, the ripe old age of 35, is that when I was a teenager living in a tiny market town on the edge of the fens between rural Cambridgeshire and rural West Norfolk, is that I used to be a teenage goth. It was such a formative period in my life in terms of finding out who I am and where I belong and what's important to me and how music is such a huge factor in what has shaped me as a person and how I conduct my relationships and feel about the world around me. I think that when you're young, and I don't know if it gets any easier as you get older, but when you're younger, feeling like you don't belong is just a state of being, for whatever reason. And having or finding a community through music or through a hobby or through a job or through religion or through anything like that um, is a beautiful thing. And I've been writing a lot about that, about the idea of belonging, isolation, communities uh, recently. In fact, I wrote a whole show about it, um, specifically about growing up in the middle of nowhere and becoming a teenage goth. There's nothing more beautiful and more communal and sacred, I guess, than having a group who are completely on your side and supportive and helpful and sort of give you the courage and the confidence to pursue the things that are important to you. And when I was a teenager, that thing that united me and my friends was music, specifically terrible early 2000s, new metal, emo and pop punk. Brixton, 2013. So, we're finally here, 
It's me and Claire and we're standing there, ten feet from the stage. Knee-deep in teenage memories, those killer melodies from the CDs and I can see the burst capillaries on the bass player's face. We're that close to the stage. And the people around us are too cool to dance. But this is the chance we've waited all year for. And we won't shed a tear for the pain in the past, because no matter what they say, the bad things never last. All the lies cast in stone, they'll shatter soon, my friend. And if the outcome's not a good one, then it's just not quite the end. We pretend we're all right. As we fall through our lives, but the speakers are screaming, it's fine not to be fine. Trust the music tonight, because we know every line, and we're lost in the crowd and the feeling sublime. See, we've crossed every bridge, and we paid every toll, and we felt like we'd spent all the gold in our souls. So we came here tonight, pushed those feelings aside, taking breaks from the aching of everyday lives. And the knives in our backs are work loose by the sound of the rhythm that echoes from ceiling to ground. And we feel like we found a new place to belong among brothers and sisters and familiar songs. It took us so long to find ourselves here, in this throng of believers clutching overpriced beer. Everyone in this crowd says this music saved them. They're speaking these lyrics, reeling tunes off verbatim. This poetry flows with each kick of the bass drum as we lift our heads up, swept away by momentum. Because we're lost in this crowd. We're shouting so loud and the words that we're singing to us, they're profound. See, we're proud of this band and we're proud to be fans and as bridge swells to chorus, we raise up our hands. And it's not quite religion, but by God, it's close. Because these songs helped us out when we needed them most. See, the rhythms, like blankets, have cushioned our heads. From the heartbreak and sorrow and hospital beds. We lost it all once, but we found it again among like-minded women and good-humoured men. We were stung by rejection, depression and fear, but tonight the crowd's voices are all we can hear. And we know that we've made it. We're still standing here. This homemade congregation. Me and Claire. What a great piece to end on. And what a great message within Leanne's work too. We can do so much when we find our tribe. And you are always welcome here. Your ideas are welcome here as well. If you want to send us anything you've written, please email it to words at rightclubopenmic.com. That's words at rightclubopenmic.com. The next theme we're gathering for is I'm getting too old for this. Shit. What would you talk about? What would you share? If you're not quite sure, but you'd like to try more, Leanne Moden, who you've just heard, is going to be delivering a writing workshop online on the 3rd of May from 6pm until 7.30pm. The workshop's titled The Poetry of Our Lives. And you can find out more and sign up by visiting our website, writeclubopenmic.com, or finding the workshop on Eventbrite. 
It's only £5 per ticket for a 90-minute workshop with her. Catch you next time when we're going to talk about shooting for ambitious targets, how to make them as a writer, how to keep them as a writer, and how important they can be in helping you level up your work. So for those who are listening, making this episode has taken more than one day. We've been kind of chucking things around, trying to work out what the tone of this episode is. And that means it's given me time to pop out and, and buy something. So, Chris. All right. This morning, yeah. before coming in, I went to Sainsbury's in Bretton. Nice. <laughs> uh, I Was it a magical journey of whimsical proportion? Well, they got a few more. They got a Greg's around the corner. I don't think I've been there since pre-lockdown, but mm. I've never had one of these buns. And so I've I've got them here in a bag. <laughs> um, there are dimples. I need to inspect. Come and have it. a look. I, yeah, I want to know if these are the right thing because you've you've set the bar high. One sec. Okay. All right. So Love them. Oh, that is Amazing. the right. That, I was I was worried they wouldn't be the right type. All right. Dimple, dimple. Oh, yes, it has, it has. Yeah, 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 we're fine, we're fine. We have dimple confirmation. Um, I mean, do you want to try? I'm going to have a look. I want to see what... Yeah, it's all right. I don't know, because it's a bit dry. <laughs> it's okay. It's not bad, is it? I mean, not bad. You painted the picture of this being the best bun. <laughs> I mean, bread is bread. It's not bad. Bread is not bread. I mean, it's it's not it's it's nice. You sound like you're enjoying it. I mean, <laughs> I mean, Chris, when you you made it sound like it was going to be a life changing. It is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know how you can't see it my way. I just I just think you need to take responsibility for having ruined the entire arc of the first episode. Lovely, because it's a little bit, <laughs> a little bit <laughs> underwhelming. This podcast was made by me, Mark Grist, and Chris Barn here at Backland Studios. It featured original writing from Anne Atkins, Moira Stevens, Andy Aspin, Mel Bradley, and Leanne Mode. This podcast was made possible thanks to public funding from Arts Council England. Thanks for listening.